Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This time on Vet Story. I got a phone call at 4.30 in the morning from his mom telling me that Kate had been tragically injured. At that point, we weren't even sure if he was going to survive. They amputated his right leg at the knee. He had two collapsed lungs. He had a depressed bowl fracture, completely paralyzed the left side of his body. That his short-term memory for sure was damaged. And I'm like, well, I'm short-term memory. You know, I'm like, is this fool even going to remember me? When he wakes up, I was scared Mm -hmm. to death that I wouldn't be able to handle it. He was giving me an out. You know, he's like, you didn't sign up for this. It was hell. It was a long two years, I'll tell you. So they put him in a, in a dual ski. I don't even know if he was mentally prepared for that jump. And I thought, this is it. Welcome to Vet Story. I'm your host, Phil Briggs, a Navy veteran and an outdoor sports enthusiast. And today's episode is going to combine a love story with one of my favorite sports. We're talking about skiing. And what began as just a five-day adaptive ski and snowboard program on the slopes of Vail, Colorado, evolved into a year-round therapeutic and rehabilitative program, impacting the lives of over 1,100 wounded veterans and almost 2,000 family members and caregivers from across the nation. And here to talk to us about the Vail Veterans Program is an ambassador, Becky Hinkhouse. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Really good. And I want to thank you for coming on and sharing the story because uh, I used to live in Utah. And I'm here to tell you that while there's a little bit of a rivalry between Colorado snow and Utah snow, um, <laughs> yes. it is amazing. And my hours and days spent in the steep and the deep, um, you know, nothing nothing was better than just having a day on the mountain and making turns and feeling the wind in your face. And I know how therapeutic it is. And I'm just so glad that you guys are getting some joy out of that. We do. Um, we have been a part of the program since 2007. And it's so rejuvenating to go up into the mountains. We live in Colorado full time, but not in the mountains. So it's, it's so, you just, it's a breath of fresh air. Literally it, your, your mind is at ease. Your eyes are at ease. Your heart is at ease. Everything relaxes when you go up there and the people with bail veterans program, make sure that you have the best time, whether it be on the mountain or, um, snowmobiling, whatever the experience is, they make sure it's top notch. And I get, and I promise you, it always is. Always. Now, now let's start real quick before we get into like the amazing, awesome experience that, you know, sure. with making some turns and the big rooster tail and the plumes of snow <laughs> and like everything's happy on the lift. Um, before those days happened, there were some pretty tough days in the Hink house household. Share with me your journey. My husband, at the time, we were just dating, and I was a senior in high school, 
and he was 19. It was his first deployment, and he left August 31st, 2005. Um, and in 2005, internet connection, phone connection over there was sketchy, to say the least. Um, so I actually didn't even hear from him until like probably week three. So about the end of September and we had talked a few times. He had gotten one of my letters um, by then and we were we were doing okay. You know, I, I felt good. I had heard from him. At this point, I'm living in the dorms in Colorado Springs going to school and he, he called me um, October 7th and he said, you know, we're going on a mission tonight. I can't really tell you what we're doing, but hopefully I can talk to you tomorrow. And the next morning, October 8th, 2005, I got a phone call at 4.30 in the morning from his mom telling me that Kate had been tragically injured and we weren't sure. At that point, we weren't even sure if he was going to survive the day, the night, any of it. Um, it was so scary. We didn't know where he was. Later, come to find out, he was in Baghdad. He had been air airlifted mm -hmm. uh, to Baghdad. He spent five days there and then ended up at Longstuhl in Germany. While in Longstuhl, they amputated his right leg at the knee. Um, he had a severe infection in his leg. He had two collapsed lungs. He had a depressed skull fracture on the right-hand side of his, uh, of his skull. And it actually put pressure on his brain that completely paralyzed the left side of his body. So his only functioning limb at that point was his right hand. And um, they put him in a drug-induced coma. And with the brain, with the depressed skull fracture also came a traumatic brain injury. And at that point, they told us that his short-term memory for sure was damaged. And I'm like, well, I I'm short-term memory, you know? I'm like, is this fool even going to remember me when he wakes up? I was scared mm -hmm. to death. And then I think middle of October, he made it to Bethesda in, in Maryland at Bethesda Naval Hospital. And... Um, he was still in a coma, and his parents told me, you know, it's he's not good. He was like 189 pounds when he left for Iraq, and he was like 117, I think, laying in that hospital bed. Mm. Um, so they were just scared that I wouldn't be able to handle it. And they're probably right. I mean, I was 18, you know. So, uh, but anyway, he woke up from his coma about two weeks later and he asked why I wasn't there. And I'm like, okay, I'm on the next flight, you know? And I spent three weeks out there, um, failed all my classes at college, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? Um, <laughs> God bless. <laughs> um, and at that moment I knew it was gonna be, it was gonna be hard, but I was, um, we were surrounded by great organizations and great people and Kate's mom and dad were amazing. But then after that, it got rough again. He had, I mean, he was in the hospital for two years. That was just the beginning, you mm -hmm. know, and like I said, his only functioning limb was his right hand. And then while at Walter Reed, they actually amputated his leg higher. So he only has a six inch stump now on his right side. But with therapy, he's able to walk and he regained almost all his function on the left side. It was like the brain just pushed like the reset button and, um, through therapy, honestly, without those therapists, I don't know where he would be. I'm thankful for the time he spent there. Two years was, it was hell. It was a long two years, I'll tell you. And um, we we had some rough patches. We broke up for a little bit, but it was so stressful. And I think he didn't want me to have to live the rest of my life with this disabled man. And I, I was mad at him. <laughs> I was super mad. 
that he that he didn't think I could handle it. Well, that's what I thought. But he just he was giving me an out. You know, he's like, you didn't sign up for this. We're not married. Um, but then he came home uh, the first time in May of 2006, and we've been together ever since. We got married in June of 2008, welcomed our first baby girl in October 2012, and now we have another munchkin that just joined the group uh, last May. So life is definitely, it's crazy, but we love it, mm. and we wouldn't change anything about it, you know, honestly. I absolutely love that story, and only in the veteran community can you hear love stories like that. And mm. I don't know, kind of a godsend, if you will. I hate to you yeah. know overuse a, a word like that or make it sound trite or a cliche, but it's amazing how there are things put before our paths that are just God's gifts, and you yeah. you are one of them. I mean, just just <laughs> to you. just to be there, um, absolutely awesome. I also think what we're getting ready to talk about now is another one of those things that's put in our path. Because while you fast forwarded through so much of that, there was moments all along the way where I know they could be breaking points. Uh, Times in the rehabilitation, it gets tough. Trying to accept your new self and and, and for Cade to, you know, go from being, you know, a, a badass Lance Corporal Marine. That's right. Uh, you know, trying to redefine his own self. Um, yeah. I know I have received so much joy from being in the mountains. Talk to me about how the Vail Veterans Project fell into your path and talk to me a little bit about the change from the Cade that first went unsure of what the hell a guy with one leg is going to do on a mountain to right. the Cade that exists now. So the first time we were a part of Vail Veterans Program was March of 2007. And I was still living in Colorado Springs at that point and he was still at Walter Reed. And um, he told me he was going to Vail, and I was so excited. So me and my piece of shit car got on the road, and we drove up to Vail. It overheated the whole way up there, but I made it, right? And I was so excited. I've never been to Vail before, and I pulled up in that piece of dish to the Marriott, and they probably were like, is this girl for real? You know, like, valet this. Okay, anyway. Yeah, right, so- no, because what a lot of people don't know is Vail's like the bougie resort. Vail is uh-huh. like like the super fancy one. Like, you want low-rent ski, and you go to what, like Keystone or, yeah. you know, yeah. Love or something, but no, yeah. you're going to the bougie one. Right, so I'm pulling up next to a Mercedes in my little scooty, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, wow, I'm in a different world, you know? And so by the time that I saw him, we were at a, a restaurant called Larkspur, and it's fancy. I mean, five star at least, right? And uh, I walk in and he sees me from across the room and I haven't seen him in like four months at that point. And I was just so excited. And that was the first time that me, I was a part of a nonprofit made for families like us. And I looked around at all these different people with all these different limitations, whether it's mental, physical, whatever it is. And the first night in that restaurant, it was nervous. People were at on edge, kind of, you know, and they didn't really know what to expect. And at that point, Cade's head trauma, he um, he had to wear a helmet for a while before they put the plate in his skull. And um, so this was the first time that he was going to do something physical. And, we, and he was so nervous that he was going to fall and hurt himself worse or, you know, whatever. So they put him in a in a dual ski the next morning and he oh my gosh he was like he was so nervous and so we got him on the lift and I said it's all right and 
that one run down the bunny hill, he had the biggest smile on his face. And I thought, this is it. He's hooked. You know, we're going to be up here every weekend. <laughs> um, he, I didn't see him the rest of the day. They went up. He did greens. He did blues. He eventually did a black on day one, if you can believe it. And he was so proud of himself. And he accomplished something that he didn't even know that he could do at that point, whether it be... I don't even know if he was mentally prepared for that jump that he had made in just those short, like six, seven, eight hours, right? And he went back to Walter Reed after that week in Vail, relaxed, rejuvenated, ready to go. And he literally ran the first time on a prosthetic leg the week after he went to Vail. So it literally springboarded him into the rest of his therapy. And he left the hospital that June, ready to come home to Colorado. And um, he started school that next fall. I mean, things that we didn't even know were on his radar. And honestly, I contributed to that week that we had in Vail. It was so inspiring. And he literally changed. Like, he was a changed man after that. What was it like with the actual process of learning to use the adaptive ski equipment? Um, I take it you're on the lift and what there's like two trainers with one vet or something like that or yes so there's a guy usually the first time in a bucket ski um usually there's one guy with tethers behind you so that you can't get out of control and you also have you also have outriggers on your arms that help you steer um and then there's usually a guy with a gopro right that skis beside you and they help obviously get the awesome footage that we all want to see in the back bowls or whatever and then but if he fell or whatever that then there's two of them to help get him up now as you progress there's there's a a bi ski a a mono ski a dual ski and then um once you kind of progress onto a mono ski which is just literally one ski under the bucket you're good to go like you can you're doing this all by yourself so and it usually takes some guys, it takes literally like only a couple runs and they're like good to go. Cade, he has like a, a ski bike and it's like the limousine of ski bikes. It's like the Mercedes of ski bikes. It has the seat has like a um, it goes up and down with him. This gives him the option to stay up all by himself. He's on the back bowls. Um, I mean, black diamond or whatever. I mean, he's just phenomenal. Um, I think you saw the video of him ski biking. Um, no, in fact, that's why I wanted to bring up the progression of how yes. they train you because I did watch that video and it is rad. There's like, you're right. It's got like bike handlebars on the front. Yes. There's a ski yes. on his <laughs> other, on his good leg. He's got like this really like short ski, like almost yes. as if like it's yes. just kind of there to catch edges to match the edge catching of the actual main ski that's on that's that's like beneath the that's handlebars right. and then there's like yep. a like a seat that he's kind of propped up on and i was watching him make those turns and i'm like he's actually got the like shaped skis on those things yeah. so that he can handle yeah. the powder in fact right? it almost <laughs> looks like he could catch air if he kind of wanted i mean i you know I don't i don't suggest <laughs> it but i mean looking at the handlebars i mean i could see him like ollieing up and like maybe crossing it over with the handlebars in the air and then putting it down right that would just I think you totally could Talk to me about the joy that you've experienced now, not just as a caregiver, but like this extends beyond even like your relationship with him. This is now kind of shared as a family thing, right? Yes. 
you think about a dad, right? A normal dad. You throw balls with your kid. You teach him how to ride a bike. You run with him, right? That's just that's just things that aren't sometimes a reality in our life, whether it be because he's in his chair for the week or like whatever is going on. You know, there's always something it feels like. And so this is a physical activity that he will be able to share with his girls that I, me, don't have to be a part of. It's all him. And he can teach them how to ski from his ski bike when we wouldn't, we weren't even sure if he would ever regain function on the left side of his body. And now he's skiing down a mountain. Like that blows my mind, literally. And then, you know, Zoe, our oldest, she's in kindergarten. And so when daddy goes to school, he, he, this fool wears shorts all year round. It doesn't matter if it's two below, 20 below. It doesn't matter. He's in shorts, right? So he goes to school. So that one leg, I guess, doesn't get cold, right? I mean, I mean the, the metal <laughs> leg there doesn't get cold is what you're saying. Right. So, you know, he's like, well, it's just one. Like, what does it matter? So, um, so anyway, he went to school and Zoe and all the kids got to see his robot leg and they were asking Zoe about how cool it is. Do you sit in his wheelchair? And, you know, it's, um, so, so, and now that she's older, she kind of understands it a little bit better. I'm not sure if she's fully grasped what has happened yet, but to experience that with her dad and to, honestly, for me, not to be involved in it, that it's just solely him, I mean, that's really special. That's, that's like something we never even knew that he would be able to be a part of, you know, that, that world, that life. Not only are they providing respite for the veteran, they're providing it for the whole family. That's something that's been cherished and shared with the world, you know? Right on. I want to end with something that I thought was just so beautiful, but you said it really helped both you and Cade discover kind of what his true purpose was. And there was one line mm-hmm. in that video that I love. Share that with me. He survived that night. He survived to be a dad. And I can see it on his face every day. And sometimes he asks me, like, why, why me? Why was I the one that survived? And I can tell you, the joy that he brings those girls is beyond. It's beyond me. And that man, he'll never admit it, but he, he shares, like, he shares our story almost like he doesn't even realize he's doing it. And he works at a brewery, okay? So he's serving beer to people and he's talking about our life. And these people leave and they get out their checkbooks and they write whatever nonprofit he talks about. Those people are writing a check because they realize, look at what they did. Look at what it did for that man. Becky, I could hear your story again and again and again. I mean, it's stories like that that just inspire you to live. And frankly, that's what we all down here on this crazy big blue marble to do, man, is live. Right? And nothing makes you more aware than when you're on the lift looking at the bluebird day and the snow and the steep (laughs) and the deep and the gorgeous scenery that is surrounds you uh, when you're in the top of the Rockies. Becky Hinkhausen, thank you so much for sharing your story about the Vail Veterans Program. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me. I, I could talk about them every day. So thanks for having me. You can see more about the incredible work going on out there in Colorado by checking out veilveteransprogram.org. You can also find more interesting and inspiring stories on connectingvets.com. I'm Phil Briggs, and while I wish I was on the lift at Vail right now, I'll be in the studio looking for the next tale we can tell on Vet Stories.